This podcast is for a mature audience only. Bye. Hey, Soul Family. Welcome back to Evolving Minds. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate your time. Today's episode is with my friend Nathan Greiser. Nathan and I grew up in the same church together and had a lot of the same friends. And I'll tell you this about Nathan. If you know Nathan, then you know you're going to laugh when you are around him because he's just such a funny person and his laugh is super contagious. And if you are able to get him to laugh, to make him laugh, then you basically won at life, right? He's just really fun to be around. And I'm really happy to share this episode with you today because it's my hope that it might help even just one of you listening. Nathan shares his story of his addiction and most importantly, his story of recovery and sobriety. He's been sober for seven years now and we dive into his story of addiction and how that got started for him and how he got sober. And this is a really special topic for me. I have a lot of compassion for those who struggle with addictions to substances, but really addictions to anything, right? I mean, it could be gambling, TV, sex, porn, food, fame, you name it. And I'll tell you why. Because I myself have gone through a tough addiction of my own. And I talked briefly about that in the episode with Nathan. But I really want to devote more time explaining my story. But in order to do that, I have to tell like four other stories. (laughs) So I will do my best because I really want you all to understand my story with the context and to understand the hows and the whys and the wins of that whole situation. I don't want to bore you with my story here. So I'll be releasing an episode with just myself telling that story. Um, And I've said this before on the podcast, but I'll say it again. My intention is to be vulnerable. And honesty and authenticity is a big part of that. And to be honest, I just really don't care if anyone knows some of these ugly details of my life. And it's my hope that it can really help someone else. So stay tuned on my addiction story. But for now, let's tune in to Nathan's. So welcome to the podcast, man. It's awesome to have you. Sweet. Yeah, What's this man. podcast called? So the podcast is called Evolving Minds with Ooh. Phil Hampton. Ooh, so okay. so it's it's all centered about change and transformation. Okay. So basically like evolving our minds and our lives and adapting to new things and being better people. Okay. So like in, in your in your case with your um like your past, you have seven years sober now, right? Uh yeah. So that's, I mean, to me, that's a huge transformation and being a better person. And I'm sure yeah. you've learned a lot going through that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of the theme of the podcast, transformation, change, and talking with people that have interesting stories about whether it's addictions or mental health or sure. whatever it might be. So, okay. so cool, yeah, man. man, let's start from the beginning, man. Okay. Because I know we met when we were like, I don't know, 10 or 11, maybe. Yeah, but, maybe but a you little were, older. Maybe I was a little old. I think because I can't remember. So I'm, I, I'll be 33 in March. I think you're 35? 34 in March, yeah. 34. Okay, so we're like a hey, year I'll apart. be 35 in March. What am I saying? I'm 34 oh, you, now. Okay, so you're in March. In, in February 21st. That's <laughs> For sure. Okay, cool. 
So we're yeah. just like two years apart. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. So yeah, so did, little, you must have been 10. I was probably 12. That sounds about right. Got you. So, uh, yeah. so you moved to Rancho Cucamonga when you were like 10. And where did you come from before that? I think I was like 12 when I moved to Rancho Cucamonga. Yeah. You were 12. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I came from uh, uh, Rialto. So I oh, grew Rialto. Up yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, man. So that's kind of where, where I grew up. And uh, I still got, you know, a lot of, a couple of, couple friends that i that i knew in, in rialto you know that i'm still in contact with today and uh, and then yeah we moved to we moved to it was it was funny because like rialto was never really that bad like when i lived there and then i think i think over the years it started getting a little little hood and so, <laughs> yeah for sure yeah there's certain so, parts like i used to work in rialto for a bit and yeah there's certain areas that are like newer like they built built a lot of new like shopping centers and stuff yeah. like that and then there's like other parts where it's like kind of hood like you said yeah. kind of like yeah. sketchy um because it's yeah. closer to san bernardino so it's kind of like heading towards that way where there's yeah exactly sketchiness but um but yeah exactly. man that's cool that's cool so um so why did you and your family move to rancho was it like for your dad's work or something or what was the reason um to be honest, I don't really know like the the actual reason. I was kind of young, you know. I was pretty young at the time. Um, I think my dad, yeah, I think my dad, I think uh, they just moved to moved to Rancho. I think they wanted to get probably a bigger house, live in a nicer neighborhood, and uh, um, things like that. And so, yeah, they it was like a brand new house they built that was getting, uh, you know, built in that Brentwood community. And so they, uh, nice. so we went and stayed. Uh, with my grandparents in Upland for a little while while the house was getting built and then moved to Rancho. So I think I lived in Upland for like a year during that period, it felt like. So. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool man. Yeah. So I know like you know, we have a lot of fun experiences like in Boy yeah. Scouts, Yeah. but um, so when you moved into like the, I think it was Victor the Victoria ward at that time. Right. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like for you growing up in the, in that, in the church at that age? Um, for me, I mean, it was, it was cool. I mean, I definitely liked like, you know, the friends and stuff like that. Uh, a lot, a lot of good people. Um, but, um, what do I say? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, for, for me personally, it was just like, I think I was just so young. I didn't really know what was, what was kind of going on. Um, I know it kind of sucked because like I had some friends that like were not Mormon and, and like, and like, I think my, my mom at the time, like didn't really want me to like hang out with them as much as like my Mormon friends for whatever reason. And so, right, right. and so, um, I just, you know, I remember, I remember feeling that way, um, a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, it, it just kind of is something that that's happened. I'm not, it's funny cause it's like living in California and being Mormon, it's like, you're kind of like the black sheep, you know, cause there's not, <laughs> for sure. I wouldn't say there's like a lot of lds people in in southern california you know right and and then living in where salt lake city where i live now like, that's like the prominent religion like everyone <laughs> is, and i'm not so it's right like, so, so are you in like are, are you in like downtown salt lake city um i'm are you like south, south salt lake I just moved like three weeks oh, okay. ago from sugar house which is very cool oh yeah area. now i live in uh, murray which is about 10 minutes south of that so got you yeah i know exactly where that is i yeah. feel like because i i used to live in utah me and my wife moved there in like 2012 okay no i'm sorry 2015 um okay. and we were there for like a year 
and then we ended up moving back, but we lived in Cottonwood Heights. Okay. So, um, yeah, I feel like in that, like, especially like in the Salt Lake city area, it's more like not less Mormons, but more like more diverse, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. More diverse and more like liberal Mormons, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Compared to like Utah County, like Provo and Orem, it's like everyone's Mormon, everyone's super devout and like by the book, you know? Yeah. But even I will say like, even in Salt Lake city, like even as like, you know, diverse as it is or or whatever, it's Mm -hmm. still, it's still like, you know, the most, it's still, it's not like Southern California. Oh yeah, for sure. Huge, huge difference for sure. Huge difference as far as that, that type of thing goes for sure. Yeah, for sure, man. So, so yeah, man. Uh, But it's been cool. I mean, I've been out here since, uh, since 2010, uh, came out here to go to treatment um, and just kind of ended up ended up staying out here. Got a lot of friends out here, um, you know, got a got a good job. And, uh, you know, I, I actually I really like it out here a lot. And uh, I've, I've been going back down to um, Southern California quite a bit lately. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I definitely like coming back and just being, being out here. It's just, it's a different pace of life. It's a different type, you know, it's all four seasons. It's beautiful. You're not stuck in traffic all day long. You're not <laughs> on the smog and, yeah. um, every, you know, things are cheap. It's not like as expensive being, you know, being out there. Yeah. Oh, so. for sure, man. California is so damn expensive, dude. It's like, yeah. Insane. But I heard that, I heard that Utah is getting a little bit more well, expensive too. Yeah. We're getting a lot of overflow from, from California. People from everyone moving from, yeah. Yeah. Moving out. And so, yeah, man, it's coming out here. It's coming out here. For sure. So, cool, man. So you, you've been there for like almost 12 years now since two, yeah. 2010, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Since cool. I came out March, 2010, I was living in, you know, St. George for a couple years before That's that. Right. Um, and then, yeah, came, came out, uh, came out here to go to treatment. So cool, man. Cool. Yeah. So, um, let's talk about the treatment stuff, man. So, okay. um, so I've obviously I've noticed you have been sober for seven years. Yeah. Do you want to talk about and explain kind of how that started for you? It's like with your yeah, addictions yeah, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. 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 Well, what got me into having to go yeah. to treatment basically, <laughs> basically. Yeah yeah. 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 Uh, sure, man. So, um, you know, I, I've always had a, I wouldn't say I've always had a problem with, with, uh, with drugs or alcohol or anything like that. But, uh, you know, at some point in my life, um, I've always dabbled with it, you know, like, uh, I actually first smoked weed when I was, uh, when I was eight years old, you know, when Oh I was damn, smoking. no way. Yeah. So I was by, like young, by yourself or with your friends or with what? my friends. Yeah. Yeah. I don't one of those crazy. little, like, uh, uh, what are they called? Corn, corn pipes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's hilarious. Man. Yeah, man. And, uh, what was that was, like for you at it eight was years funny old? Cause, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I share this sometimes I go to treatment centers and kind of talk about it as well, but it was like, you know, being, I used to always wonder like, you know, what, what's, you know, what causes an eight-year-old to want to smoke weed. But I think the reality is, is I don't think a lot of eight-year-olds are getting asked if they want to smoke weed and it's like by their friends. And so it's like, I think if something like that were to happen, you know, I'd be interested to see how many kids, if it's their eight and, and it, you know, it was the nineties back then times are different now. Yeah. Like back oh, then, sure. like my mom would open the door at like nine in the morning and say, I'll see you, you know, later on. In the afternoon. <laughs> right. And I'd get my skateboard and go hang out with my friends all day. Yeah. Man. Now times are a little different, you know, that, that you don't really see that. You don't really see that too much, but, uh, 
but uh yeah man i mean i i don't know i don't even remember getting getting like high or anything when i smoked it but okay. uh, i do know i do remember like the very very first time like for a while i felt like i like had fit in like i felt like something had happened when, when it happened i always kind of felt like i was maybe a uh, how do they say like a square peg and a round hole, you know, Got you. even so at that young, even at that young of an age, you know, and sure. I, I do remember when that first happened, like all of a sudden I kind of felt a little, a little different, you know, and. Got you. So uh, did you, so when the opportunity presented itself to you to smoke weed, was it kind of more like peer pressure a little period. bit? Uh, no, not really. It was actually, okay. it's actually kind of funny. Cause it was like, I was skateboarding over to one of my to my best friend's house who, who i uh, was just the best man at actually oh nice his house cool i knocked on the door uh and we me and him were gonna go skateboard and and his neighbor across the street was an older kid he was in middle school and he was like he happened to be there too and so we both skated up skated up to my uh to my buddy's house try not to drop names because you know no, no yeah for sure for sure but uh <laughs> we we uh we, we knocked on the door and i guess they were gone like they weren't there for whatever reason and, you know, he looks at me and he's like, Hey, Nate, you want to smoke some weed? And I was like, at <laughs> like, that what's point, weed? <laughs> we were in like third grade. Right. And, and back in the day they had, uh, they had those dare. Do you remember dare? Yeah. And, yeah. And so, um, I just remember like a bunch of cops coming into our classrooms. Like one of them was dressed in like a bear and they're like, <laughs> they were yeah. like, just say no. Like if people are going to ask you to do drugs, like just say no. And they're going over like all the different tactics that people are going to use, like the takeaway, or they're going to be like, or they're going to be like, someone's going to really try to get you to do it or say, oh, no, you don't want it. And, you know, here's here's all these different things that you can kind of do to try to combat combat that. Well, he asked me if I wanted to smoke weed. And I was like, no. And I remember like my fist uh, clenched and I'm like ready, like for yeah. him to be like trying to get me to do it. And I'm just I'm ready to say no. And he's like, he's like, oh, OK, no big deal. And he like <laughs> skateboarded off. And I like stood there and I was like, what the hell? And so uh, I was like, wait, come back. Yeah, I want to <laughs> That's and, funny because, yeah, it's uh, going off what you said about how like the D.A.R.E. program and other people have stressed this idea of like, just say no, right? Yeah. But it's not really like, like that. Like in your situation, like it wasn't like your friend was going to like peer pressure you and say, hey man, you have to smoke weed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't say no, like, come on. Like it's, I feel like, especially if it's within your friendships, like, yeah. if they're going to ask you, if you say no, they're going to respect you and say, okay, cool, man. Like, yeah, yeah. it's all good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think that's kind of what, what it was. It kind of caught me off guard. And so I was like, wait a second. Yeah, I do want to do that. Let know? me try this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. But yeah. And so I kind of, I mean, it was never like a habitual thing at that age. I mean, I couldn't, it was like, what guy's going to sell an eight-year-old kid weed or anything like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it definitely was something that I did periodically, I'd say. Okay. Um, and then, um, let's see. And then, yeah, I mean, it just kind of something that, that kind of happened pe periodically. And then, uh, we moved to Rialto and, uh, or to Rancho, excuse me. And then, um, you know, some things I guess were kind of going on. Um, you know, my dad, my dad's business was kind of going, uh, going South as far as, as that goes. And, you know, money started becoming a problem and, and just having a lot of like, family stuff going on and I was acting out as a kid you know I was getting in trouble at school um you know I was always trying to be like the class clown and I was always trying to like make people laugh and like do stupid things and trouble and uh you know I don't know exactly like uh, at one point but uh you know and then and then my grandparents have decided uh that they were going to move they were going to sell their house in Upland 
um, and they were going to move to to St. George, which is like a retirement community. Um, and 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 you know they're they're Mormon, and it's like a little Mormon retirement community down in Utah. And uh, they, you know, my grandpa, I remember asking me like, "Hey, do you want to uh, do you want to come out there and, and do you want to come out there with us for a summer, kind of help us move and get situated?" And like, I don't think I I don't I don't think the plan was for me to like stay with them or anything like that. And it was more of just like going out there for a little bit. But uh, I went out there, and um, 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 you know, it's definitely definitely culture shock. You know, it was definitely a lot different. You know, for people were different, kids were different, or whatever. But uh, um, you know, I decided to stay out there for a little bit, enrolled in school. Um, I kind of I don't know. I kind of liked it while my family was kind of dealing dealing with their stuff. I was able to be, be with my uh, be with my grandparents for a little bit, and and you know, they had to stay with them and. Um, uh, yeah, man, got, got enrolled in school. And, um, it's funny. One of my best friends today who I talk to like every day, we hang out like pretty much every day, um, me and him. So I went to school in St. George and, and, uh, you know, I was the brand new, I was the new kid and, and he was the new kid too. He was from Northern Utah. He was from Ogden and he was brand new to St. George too. And so me and him became, you know, became, became really good, really good friends. And, uh, and um, what's it called? And he's sober too, which is kind of, which is, oh, cool. I'll, I'll get into that later. Yeah, but, yeah sure, but, sure. But yeah, man, we, uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, man. And it was just a fun time, you know? I mean, you know, I was definitely smoke, you know, able to, maybe I was partying a little bit more and, and, and smoking weed a little bit more and stuff like that. And then, uh, um, and sorry to interrupt you, but this is what, what age were you when you moved to Utah? with your grandparents oh that was my because like, uh, this was after you yeah, got to rancho right my junior so, this must have been my sophomore year okay yeah okay. so maybe i jumped so like 15 yeah okay got you yeah yeah so i would say you know up until that point i was kind of living in 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 rancho cucamonga um you know going to church and and that was one thing too you know i will mention you know one of our one of our good friends who passed away joe um yeah, dude, man. man he he was uh he was one of my first, my first, uh, good, good friends out there too. But uh, me and him got along real well. And, and I will say like, I remember when I, when I moved out there, um, you know, when I was 14 or 15 or something like that, somehow the conversation got brought up and it was like, Oh, you smoke weed too. Me too. Man. <laughs> and like, and like, you know, we just kind of, that was kind of the thing. And like at that age, you know, there's only really one way to do it. And that is to, uh, uh, conceal it and to lie about it. And you know what I mean? And, and so it was like, a, it was almost like a secret that you have, especially growing up in like a, an L like, that's not something that's like accepted. Right. I mean, I don't think it'd be accepted at that age anywhere, but like, sure. Like I think being especially in like, in like a, within Mormonism, within, within yeah, yeah. Like a strict Mormon family, that's yeah. like, Oh man, that's, that's really bad. And, and right. You know, me, me and me and Joe became, became really good friends. And um, what am I trying to, what am I trying to get out here? But, but yeah, man, it was just uh um, didn't, didn't Joe mo eventually move with you to St. George? Yeah. Or yeah. That was, that was a little bit later. That okay. Was later okay. On, but, but okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think of, of what, you know, I, like I said, I had a lot of family problems going on. My, my dad ended up eventually he lost his business. My family ran out of money that had, you know, declared bankruptcy. And, and, you know, as a kid growing up and all that, it was just like, I, I kind of knew what was going on. I didn't really know what was going on, but uh you know, I, I always remember just, you know, feeling like as long as I had my, my friends and I can go party, it was like, you know, I didn't, I felt like I didn't really have to 
maybe address some of the feelings that I had going on, or I didn't have to like deal mm. with any of that kind of stuff. Because as a kid, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of a, a, a thing to go through and it's not like it's anyone's fault really, but like, you know, not, not, not really, you know, like it wasn't like I even knew what was going on. It was like, no one really even, even kind of told us. It was just like all of a sudden, like, right. You know, and, and, um, um, so I think that was one of the reasons why my, my grandpa, you know, and when, when, when I was my sophomore year was like, Hey man, you want to, you want to come out here and, and, uh, stay with us. And I think that was one of the things I really appreciated was because, you know, I felt like I went from being the oldest of four kids who, who maybe felt like, uh, you know, I always felt like I was just like a fly on the wall and in, in my family, like, it was just like, you know, they always had a lot of other things going on. And so, being able to move in with my, with my grandparents, maybe feel like maybe I was a, an only child in, in, in a way, yeah. you know, yeah, like, like a new beginning sort of like a new beginning. Yeah. Like, a yeah. New beginning. and, uh, and then, you know, I met, I met my friend and, and, uh, um, yeah, man, it was just, it was actually, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. Um, and, uh, I was a very confused kid, you know, I didn't understand a lot, you know, what was going on. I didn't understand like what I was even really thinking. But, uh, you know, I, I knew, I knew I liked, you know, I knew I wanted to fit in. I knew I wanted to party. I knew I wanted to, you know, drink. I started and, uh, um, and stuff like that, you know, and, uh, to say I started like selling drugs too. Um, when I was at, when I was at a school in St. George at a, at a young age and, um, you know, it just kind of, just kind of progressed, you know, and I don't even realize I didn't see it then at that time, but it was like, looking back on it now, I can I understand like that progression and how it was like, you know, I go from smoking like a bowl to, you know, to like smoking, you know, an eighth to like, you know what I mean? And it's Dang, just okay, like, yeah. sure. then all of a sudden for me, it was like, you know, weed, weed's not enough. And I want to try like mushrooms or I want to try, yeah. you know, different hallucinogenic and, and, and things like that. And, um, okay. you know, look, looking back on it, you know, I think it was just something that um, I, you know, I, I, I don't think I had a lot of control over, you know, even at that age, you know what I mean? Sure. So, um, and so, yeah, that, that happened. And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, you know, shortly after it was like, you know, not too long after I'd moved to St. George and started school, I don't even think I finished the entire semester. I think it was like six months into that, into that semester. Um, you know, my, my dad, who also has a, you know, a substance abuse kind of problem too, growing up and stuff like that. And so, uh, um, he had, o he had like OD'd or something and he was like in the hospital. And, uh, I remember I like wanted to see him, but my grandparents were going out of town and they wanted me to go stay with like my other grandparents who lived out in the middle of nowhere in, in this place called Dameron Valley, which was like, he wanted, they wanted me to go stay there. And I was just kind of an ignorant kid at that time. And, yeah, you know, if I didn't get my way, I didn't really like it. And so, <laughs> and so, uh, is that when you drove from yeah, Utah? Down? Yeah. Okay. So I drove my car. <laughs> I was actually just talking about that with my buddy at the wedding because, nice. because I was like, dude, you guys are all like this. You guys didn't know each other. But you guys are literally like this story all connected because when I left, <laughs> when I left St. George, I called up, you know, my buddy, who's like my best mm -hmm. friend that I hang out with all the time. Now yeah. I called him up and I was like, Hey man, I'm doing this. And then I called up my, my best friend in California. And I was like, Hey man, I was doing this. I'm doing this. I'm stealing a car and I'm driving down. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. And, uh, 
And uh, he so happened to be house sitting that, you know, we were 16, 15 or six. I was 15, actually, because I didn't have a license. Okay. And, and uh, you know, he happened to be house sitting that night for like one of his neighbors. And he's like, he literally just dropped everything and drove and drove and met me in Vegas. And oh, I that's was cool. Driving, yeah. And I, and I was driving to, uh, you know, from St. George. I was scared, man. I didn't know really what I was doing. Have you ever, did you ever drive up until that point? Like before that? I mean, I think I've like drove around in like a parking lot. Okay. Like okay. Not really. Not, not the no, highway. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that like there was. <laughs> Stay on the 15 on. freeway and just go all the yeah, way down the baseline. <laughs> it was just, uh, it was crazy, man. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. But okay. Grateful for my, for my friend. He, he kind of, we just followed each other on the, on the, once we met up in Vegas, it was like four in the morning and. And then we drove down and like dropped the car off at like some gas station. Cause I think my grandparents were reported it stolen and I was scared. Oh shoot. Okay. And so, and so, uh, um, and got, got, got with him. And then, uh, um, they ended up getting the car back. They ended up finding it. And like, I ended up, that was when I ended up moving back down to, to Rancho, I think when oh, I was okay. a little older. Yeah. It's a little bit, it's a little bit fuzzy, man. It's a little bit confusing, sure. you know? Yeah, so I can I'm imagine. Put pieces together, you know? No, that's I mean? fine, but, man. Uh, yeah, but at that point, you know, I would say that, like, you know, um, drugs were definitely a big part of my story. Drinking mm-hmm. was part of my story. Partying was, you know what I mean? And and um, selling drugs, you know, I, I got really big into into selling drugs as a, as a kid and, and, uh, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, all that stuff just kind of progressed, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the kids in high school that, you know, I was selling a little bit too, as, as we got older and we, you know, we, we got out of high school and things like that. They were all, you know, and, and, um, they were all selling, you know, buying and, and selling more and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I found myself when I was about 19 years old, um, you know, I was with, uh, yeah, Joe, I called up Joe or I got a conversation with Joe and, and he was like, I think he was going through something with his family too, or I don't exactly know the story, but, uh, um, we decided, you know, we are going to move in together in St. George and we are going to, you know, sell drugs and, 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 you know, <laughs> become millionaires, <Yeah. laughs> and, uh, man. The dream right there, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had we had a lot of really we had a lot of really good times living together, living together, man. I love that guy a lot and I think of him often and uh, me too, man. Me too. Uh so sad, man. So sad. But it uh, is, man. I can't believe it's already been like three years, man. Yeah. It yeah. seems like longer, but then it also seems like shorter. Yeah. I'm just like, damn, man, like it's yeah it's insane man and and i know for you since you were much closer to him than i was i'm sure it's been extra difficult for you or like hard and you know i was talking i talked to uh you know our other friend ben about it before too you know and i was like you know because because my sister passed away about nine months after joe passed away that's right and i've never experienced that type of loss where i've gone through a loss you know with with someone else um Mm -hmm. it's like that close i guess I've had, I've had extended, extended family members, you know, pass away and things like that, but never like a friend that was like young and especially the way that it happened. It was just so, so unexpected, I guess. And, and things like that. Um, but I will say, I mean, that definitely going through that experience as difficult as it was with Joe, I think helped prepare me to go through what I went through with my sister because Nikki, that was, yeah. that was uh, you know, extremely difficult and continues, continues to be, I mean, 
loss is loss, man. It's never, never fun to go through. But I had this other caveat where it was like, I had to figure out how to go through this stuff and not get loaded because, you know, my mind, you know, my mind and the way that I am is it's like, dude, I just want to check out sometimes. And it's like, I don't want to put feelings. I don't want to deal with that kind of stuff, but, uh, for sure, man, you know, being able to, to go through that was definitely a, uh, and you know, a different, a different experience, you know? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because similarly, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I don't know if you consider yourself to have like an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I do. Um, and I've also struggled with my own addictions with things. And I feel like at those moments of when something is going really bad, like for example, you mentioned your sister yeah, uh, passing away or Joe, like, in situations like that in my life, I think I would tend to want to go towards that substance or that that thing or whatever to numb myself or to feel better in some way. Right. Yeah. I'm really like, I I just want to give you some like respect and tell you that you're awesome for not giving in, man. That's, I think that's really hard to not, or to like to avoid doing that. Yeah. Especially when you've been down that line before. Yeah, man. You know, yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, I don't know what I was going to, I guess I was going to continue to, you know, I guess talk a little bit about leading up to what got me into yeah. treatment and then, yeah, go for it. and then talk about that. But, uh, sure. you know, in, in talking about like the, 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 I mean, I consider that it's a disease of addiction. I mean, some of that yeah. goes up to debate, I guess, with people, but, um, um, you know, I, 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 I can understand like that progressiveness, you know, and, and for me, you know, at 19 years old, you know, it was all fun with Joe when I was living with Bo and we were selling a bunch of weed. Um, and then we got, you know, what happened eventually is like after a, about a year, you know, we got, we got raided, we got raided by the, uh, oh, by the DEA. No way. And, and so like, uh, did your, did your neighbors know what was going on? And that's how it's, I mean, yeah, we were young kids, a lot of yeah. traffic in and out of our sure. house and, and, um, and, um, you know, and we were smoking weed in the house and doing all sorts of drugs and dabbling with, you know, other things. I think I did my first like, um, Oxycontin during that period too. And, um, and stuff like that. And, and we got raided and, uh, were you guys both was, home at the time? We had just gotten back from a bar. I think we were 20. Okay. I think Joe had a fake ID. He might've been 20 and I was 21 or something like that. But okay. we got back to, we got back from a bar, um, at, uh, late at like one in the morning or something. And there have to be some policemen standing outside and they just look like normal cops. And it looked like, you know, they're, they were like in front of like my apartment building and we're walking in and I didn't realize this was a whole setup that they had done and they were waiting for us and they had been watching. Us. I didn't understand any of it. I just saw two cops and we're walking to our thing and they, they started wanting to talk to us and ask, you know, they were pretending like they wanted to ask us some questions about someone else or something like that. Well, you know, and, and, uh, come to find out, I mean, they, they had, they had raided us and they broke, you know, they eventually a bunch of other cars pulled up flashing lights and Damn, man. the rest of me and Joe, and, uh, we get into the apartment and, um, you know, they tear our apartment apart, find a whole bunch of, you know, everything, paraphernalia, drugs, everything. And it was a scary situation. I mean, I'm 21, I'm bet, 21, man. Joe's 20. Um, you know, I, I'd been arrested before, but never mm. up to this extent. Like I've never, I was, we were facing, you know, serious felony charges. Um, we had mushrooms, I had liquid morphine, you know, we had scale, all this stuff. And yeah. 
Um, you know, we, we went to jail and about, um, I think I was in there for like three weeks or a month and my grandparents have bailed me out. And I think Joe's parents were going to bail him out, but he told them not to, but to get a lawyer. Mm. Instead. Okay. And so, and so me and Joe were, we were writing each other's letters and stuff like that, but, but he ended up staying in jail. He was in jail longer than I was. And, yeah. uh, um, and, uh, I, you know, I, I, I remember I was like driving one day and on the road and all of a sudden I saw this dude like Crip walking down the street, like throwing up West Side. And I was like, that <laughs> that Jojo? <laughs> and, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And uh, like, I, walked, I walked all the way here from jail. I was like, dude, you should have called me. And wow. like, I didn't have your number. I was like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. Um, um, and so, uh, but then his parents came and picked him up. Like, I think that day or that week or the very next day. And they drove up to St. George and, uh, and picked him up and, and he went back down to, to Rancho and, and, you know, continued living with them. And that was the last time we lived together. Well, um, you know, I, I think, uh, a regular person, I think who goes through that experience, who goes through something like that, 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 uh, crazy, I guess. Yeah. That's intense. Would, would, would maybe say like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, this is insane. I, I no, I'm going to stop. Right. For some reason in my head, you know, I was just like, felt like I was like this victim and I felt like we cops and like everyone else was like against me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I was like, you, you know, as soon as it's all, all said and done, I'm like, you know what, this isn't that bad. You know, and come to find out Joe's lawyer ended up figuring out that the, that the uh, drug task force that raided us didn't enter our apartment or didn't get a warrant to enter our apartment Ooh, Okay. after they'd entered our apartment. Oh, wow. So, so basically, you know, we, we caught a break and, and um, we got this thing called a plea of abeyance where basically the courts were like, we're not going to charge you with anything. We're not even going to put you on probation. They're like, Nate, wow. all you have to do is go an entire year. This was on September 29th. Okay. 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 They have, like you have to go an entire year of not getting into trouble, not getting arrested, nothing. And if you can do that for an entire year, we're not going to drug test you. We're not, you're not on probation. But if you can do that for an entire year, your charges are going to get dropped down to misdemeanors. That's it. And I was like, perfect. That's and, crazy. um, you know, I remember, I remember like if you, if I were to hook up, hook me up to a lie detector test at that time and ask me if I was done, I would have said, yes, I'm done. I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. You know, I was all emotional. I was, thinking yeah. my life was over. I didn't know what to do. Um, I enrolled in school. I got into student housing, um, you know, and I was, and I was done. Like there was just, I just couldn't see that, but I didn't, I didn't understand myself, I guess. I didn't understand what I was really going through. And, um, you know, I was still going to like, I was still hanging out with like my friends on a regular basis who were kind of doing that kind of stuff. And, and, but I just, I just wasn't. And, uh, I remember a couple months later, I was driving, you know, school wasn't really working. It was just getting a little too difficult for me. Life was just seeming a little too shaky. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this. I'm coming from a world where I'm the shit. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm coming yeah, from sure. a world of like- Yeah, you're selling drugs, making money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. making money, yeah. you know, and I, I didn't like, you know, I didn't like, you know, starting at the bottom, I guess. And so um, I remember, I remember it was like, it was crazy. I remember- uh, um, calling up one of my friends on the way to class. And I was like, Hey man, I want to hit, I want to smoke some weed. And they're like, what? It was like a big deal. They're like, Nate, let's just smoke some weed. And like, <laughs> come on over. And so I like, I remember yeah. I went over to his house and 
bunch of other people were like sitting on a sectional, like all in like a circle staring at me, you know, and they hand me like, (laughs) and I was like, all right, man, you know, I, okay, cool. And, and uh, I hit the bong, sucked it in, you know, and I remember I blew out the smoke and, and the next thing I know, um, I'm getting my roommates at my student housing are asking me to leave because I smell like weed all the time, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I'm, I'm selling drugs. Um, again, I'm back in the game only this time on a more serious, on a larger, on a a very riskier level. Got you. Um, You know, we're living in this, in this big house, uh, that has a, you know, a theater room and, and, you know, there's tons of traffic. We're throwing all these parties. I'm involved in, you know, getting large amounts of cocaine, large amounts of heroin, large amounts of other stuff. And, um, you know, there was just, I just had no control. I had no control, man. And, uh, um, um, and sure enough, you know what I mean? That, so, so I got raided with Joe on, uh, September 29th and I think it was September 29th. And then September 28th, uh, uh 364 days later, I wow. got raided again. 64 days. 364 so one days. more day. It's all you needed. Yeah. So Damn, I, bro. Wow. And, and this time, I mean, this time it was more I, intense. It was more this time I was done. serious. Yeah. I yeah. was done, man. There, Damn. there was, uh, yeah, there, there was, uh, no getting out of this time, you know? Wow. And, um, <clears throat> you know, um, I was, what had happened? I'd gotten involved in heroin during that period. I got involved in syringes and, and, okay. and mm-hmm. kind of went down that path and very strong, you know, opiate addiction yeah. and trying to, you know, you know, as well as this large scale drug dealing and, and all this stuff. And, um, and yeah, man, got, got raided again this time. It was like, it was like, uh, these dudes and like these like wife beaters with badges with like tattoos. It was like over like crazy and they had assault rifles too. And they were coming in the house and, and, uh, you know, I had a warrant with my name on it and, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was scary. And, and I, you know, I still had a giant ego and, uh, you know, I remember them like, taking me upstairs to the theater room and trying to question me. And I'm sitting there the whole time, you know, telling them to F off and telling them, you know, I want my lawyer and, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, went to jail and um, was in jail, I think for a couple months and um, got bailed out again. And, and this time when I got bailed out, there was, there was, I, I kind of, ex- I accepted defeat, I guess, in a way, in the sense that, but instead of me being like, I'm done, I'm never doing this again. It was like, I, why even try? Like, I'm going, I'm going full metal. I'm going, you know, and I, and I just went crazy, man. And it was like, it was like, you know, I went from, from using heroin, you know, occasionally to, you know, I was never like an everyday habitual user with that kind of stuff before that point. Okay. And, and that, and I was never the type that like, would lie, cheat and steal um, from people mm-hmm. that I loved. And like, I would never, you know, but it got really dark, you know, and, and uh, I was just kind of like that. And this is me out on bail. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm running, yeah, a, I'm running a muck, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I have this big court case that's kind of coming up and, and um, I'm using drugs every day and I'm living in this, uh, this house with, um, um, you know, some sketchy people and, uh, you know, and, and, and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I hadn't really, it was funny cause, uh, 
I had talked to my lawyer and they had suggested drug court. And what drug court is, is, you know, if, if you can stay clean for a couple of years, it's kind of a strenuous program. I've, I've seen it work actually for a lot of really good friends of mine, but I was just at that point, I knew that like that, there's no way I was going to be able to complete that. Like two years of my life, not using like no way. And so um, I just couldn't, couldn't comprehend that. And so, um, yeah, I was just going, just, you know, using every day and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I was, my health was getting down and, and, you know, it's just, everything was, was going bad. I was going down to, you know, Vegas and we were like panhandling at, at gas stations and, it was just a really, really low bottom. And, and, um, you know, my, my mom actually surprisingly, like I called me up when I was in St. George, um, one day, just like out of the blue and I hadn't spoken to her in a couple months. I mean, I think everyone kind of knew what I was dealing with in the path, but they maybe didn't know the extent of it. And, uh, you know, she puts me in, uh, she takes me in her car. I think she took me to like, go get some food. And we were just sitting there in the car and, uh, um, you know, she was like, she was like, is there anything going on? You know, and I think they all knew, but it was like, I think like they knew the extent of it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I was shooting heroin every day. And, and you know, I don't, under, I don't think they did. Yeah. I remember sitting in that parking lot and I was 23 years old at that time. And, um, for whatever reason, you know, I remember sitting in her car and I, and I just, uh, I just like broke down, you know, and I yeah. just like crying and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And, mm. and I was like, I can't stop. You know, I, I'm on, I'm on drugs. I don't know what to do. And, um, you know, they cut and, and she's like, well, do you want help? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't even know what that means. And, uh, um, I think my, my family kind of got together, uh, and started looking for treatment centers for me. Um, and, um, and my lawyer, and I wasn't going to go, I, I like really wasn't going to go, but we had a meeting with my lawyer about this court case coming up. And he was like, you know, it would actually look really good for your case. If you like went to rehab before we even went to court Yeah, for sure. going up as like some, some junkie kid when you're facing all these, you know, charges as well. And so, you know, I decided to go, um, my grandpa drove me, drove me up from, uh, from St. George to, uh, Bountiful, if you know where right. that's at, right above yep. LA. Yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, I was, like I said, I was pretty young at the time. I'm 34 now. I was 23 at the time. And, and uh, you know, I had them stop at like every gas station on the way up there so I could go, you go know, to the bathroom and yeah. the bathroom, get my fix and, uh, you know, and whatever. And, and then I went to a, went to a detox, like a medical, medical detox where they, you know, kind of medically like get me off of, uh, off of the drugs and then yeah. had some guy from the rehab uh come pick me up there and and take me to treatment and uh that was that was uh that was a uh man i, I described that as a spiritual experience getting into treatment because you know i i didn't know i found something in there that i didn't even know i was looking for man and it was wow. like and it was like it you know and i'm not reckon like I'm not going to say treatments for everyone. There's lots of different ways to, to, but I think at that point, like I didn't know anyone who was sober. I didn't know anyone who like used drugs the way that I used that like hadn't anymore. And yeah. I think the people that I know or that I did know who maybe had some sort of past 
we're just like my not not my type of people. You know what I mean? We're gotcha. either like too far gone on the other way to where they're mm-hmm. just like either way too far in, into religion or way too far on, yeah. on to whatever way where I just didn't feel like I could relate to them. Okay. But when I when I got into into this into this treatment center, man, um, I I uh, like I said, man, I found lots of guys who maybe who who thought the way that I thought. Lots of people that you know had done the same things that I had done, and uh, and they were sober. You know, they had a lot of like the alumni from the treatment center coming in, guys who who'd been sober for long periods, and, you know, and they'd be sharing their story and they talking, and I'm like, oh my god, like this is me, you know, and I and I would hear my story in the way that they were sharing, wow. and it completely it completely changed my life. I think I hit this point of like surrender where it was like, man, I, I just can't go back to that anymore. Like I gotta I gotta figure something else out, you know, and so. Um, I took every suggestion that they gave me. I just surrendered, like asking, you know, I think up until that point, I was fighting with everything. And it was like, I was in my head, like, I don't need this and I don't need that. And, and, uh, um, you know, I think at that point it was like, I'm done. You know what I mean? Whatever you guys tell me to do, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to live my life. I've tried doing this on my own. You know, you guys, you guys seem to know what you're doing. Like, what, what do I got to do? And they said, gave me a couple, couple different suggestions and I took them. And, uh, I was sober for, for three and a half years at that time, three and a half years nice. and, uh, got a really good, I mean, I built a really good life. Right. And, uh, had a lot of really good things. Started working at the bank, got enrolled in school, started building credit, uh, nice. you know, and, uh, just became like this different person. And at some point during, during that period, you know, I kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but I kind of felt like, like I got like I kind of felt like you know what you know I don't need to like continue to work on on myself there was a couple of suggestions in regards to journaling meditation you know 12-step meetings things like that that I had been doing for for a period of time and and I got to a point you know when I was when I was three and a half years sober I was like I don't think I really need to do this anymore like I need to go to work and I was overextending myself you know I was working like a couple jobs and going to school full-time and um you know, again, you know, just really, really getting agitated, you know, getting tired, getting upset, you know, and um, at three and a half years sober, man, out of the blue, um, I just, you know, I made the conscious decision to like go down to the pharmacy, buy a pack of syringes and, you know, and, and get high again. And, um, you know, and uh, I remember waking up the next day and, um, kind of like what just happened, but also like no one found out, you know, like it wasn't like the end of the right. world. Maybe I thought it was going to be. Sure, sure. So I just continued, continued to do it, you know? So yeah, man. Interesting. Interesting. So when you decided to make that decision to use again, can you remember if there was like a specific reason for that? Like, were you feeling depressed or like, were you feeling shitty at all? Or was it just like, your ego taking over and you just saying, fuck it. I want to just feel good again. Or, or what yeah, was it? I think it was just, you know, I don't think it was, um, I don't even, to be honest, to tell you, you know, to be honest, I didn't even know I was going to use it at the time. I was hanging out right. with this girl and mm-hmm. we were just talking about it. And I was like, Oh yeah, I used to be a heroin addict. And she's like, I've okay. never done it. And I just found yeah. myself like, Oh, you got to try it. And He's like, ah, ah, and then finally got to the point where she's like, okay, I'll try it. I was like, I could get mm. you, you know, got you, got and you. it wasn't even like, like in my head at that time, 
again, if you would hook me up to a lie detector test and been like, hey, think you're going to do this? I would have said no. No. Yeah. But uh, I, I did it. I did it. And um, and sure enough, man, it took me on a year and a half long bender. Um, I got fired from my job that I'd been at for that three and a half years. They saw a different side of me that that, you know, that was that was really difficult. You know, I mean, I'm actually friends with my boss today. We're friends on on. Uh, oh, cool. And, and, oh, okay. uh, and he, he's a real good dude. But yeah, he sat nice. in his office and he was like, you know, they were asking me like, hey, is there anything going on in your personal life? Because you know, again, I became a habitual user where I was doing that every day and yeah. you know, I'd say I'm going to go take a five minute break and be gone for 45 minutes. And I'd show up and, you know, try and leave early and, you know, just all sorts of stuff. And he's, and, and so they had to let me go. And, um, and, um, you know, I lost my condo. I had to, I couldn't pay rent anymore. And so I had one of my, one of my friends move into my condo, one of my, one of my drug dealing friends, uh, move into that. And, um, you know, I, my GPA at business school, you know, I mean, I was, I don't think a lot of people are going to the business school at university of Utah. And, you know, I'm in these like upper division classes, get, you know, for finance and I'm like in the yeah. bathroom shooting dope. Like, I don't think a lot of people are like that, but sure. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. GPA had gotten so low to where, you know, the school had suspended me and told me, you know, I, 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 I can't come back for a couple, for about a year. I think it was like two semesters. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I had all these things happening. And again, you know, in my mind, I'm like, this isn't bad each, you know, I'd have all these different bad things happen to me during this period. And like my, my head, you know, looking back on it now with like a clear state of mind, I can be like, wow, that's pretty bad. But like, when you're going through it in my head, I was like, that's it. Yeah. This isn't <laughs> that bad. You know what I mean, totally. and I found myself living out of my car. Um, you know, I was, I had, I had a bunch of stuff in storage and, and it was like, it wasn't like I didn't have pl places to go or friends' houses I could stay at. I did have a few friends that I could, but I was just, you know, it was, it was a different type of uh, bottom for me because it was like, I just wanted to be alone. You know, I just didn't want to be around anyone. I didn't want to hurt anyone at that point. You know, I was done. I didn't want to steal from my family like I had done the first time. Um, I didn't want to hurt, you know, I, I, I just didn't want to be be around anyone and so yeah man it was just a really lonely a really dark time I didn't want to get in trouble so I wasn't selling drugs it was like literally just this uh really depressing existence for for a little while you know and uh there have been multiple attempts to get clean during that period I've gone to um a few different um detox centers at that time and um you know and and I had so much shame and so much guilt I felt like I was like the success story that had everything and and lost yeah. it all, you know what I mean? And, yeah, sure. and uh, you know, it was just getting worse and worse and worse for me. And, and, um, you know, I just didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And, um, I think finally it just got to, a, you know, again, that, that point of, that point of surrender, that point of giving up where it was just like, I can't live like this anymore. And I don't know what to do. And, um, because I'd gone through the treatment center that I'd worked at before or that I'd gone through and I worked at as well during that period. Um, you know, I was able to, to go there for free, uh, if I wanted nice. to, and, nice. uh, it was just part of their, their little program. And, um, we'd set it up a few times for me to go and like, I was supposed to show up and I didn't, you know, and it just always found myself like back, uh, found myself, you know, um, just back to where I, where I was, you know, and, and, 
you know, withdrawals, it's hard, man. It's like, it just gets to this point where it's like, that just takes up your whole life. And it's like, you know, you know, I remember trying to get a couple jobs. I worked, you know, I'd get these like good jobs. I'd apply for, for, you know, these corporate accounting jobs. And I remember one was like at this corporate accounting job for JC Penny and I'm strung out, I'm high on heroin and I'm going through training and um, I'm like nodding off in the middle of them trying to teach me at the, you know, this program. And, and uh, about two weeks into the training program, I, I realized that, um, you know, I was starting to withdraw pretty hard. I hadn't gotten high that day and I just got up and left and drove up to my friend's house and never went back there again. And, um, you know, maxed out my credit cards and, you know, money started becoming an issue. And it was just a really, really, uh, really low, really low, low, you know, point that I was getting to. And I don't think I, I knew what to do. And I know my family was really worried, but, uh, and stuff. And, um, again, man, it was like, and I didn't want to go back. It was like, again, it was like, uh, I, I kind of, my ego was like, didn't want me to go back to the treatment that I worked at because I felt like I was supposed to be like this guy that worked there and got right. caught up. But, uh, sure. I went, I, I went back. Eventually I got to a point where, where I went and, uh, it was really hard. It was really difficult. Um, but uh, I remember just going in and just being like, you know what, I've already, I've done this before. And so it was like, it was like, okay, man, you know, like you, you know, you know what, you know what you have to do. And uh, I remember one of the counselors in there being like, you know, looked at me and, and uh, during one of the groups one time, and he was like, Nate, he was like, you know, like everything you've been to how many of these types of groups. He's like, you've been to this treatment before. He was like, he was like, why, why are you here? you know, and he's like, why are, why are you even here? And I didn't know at the time, I think he was trying to get me to understand it, you know what I mean, type of thing, but like, he was like, you could, you know, everything I'm going to tell you to do, and, and, you know, but actually, he's like, why are you here, and just kind of broke down, I remember, and just being like, I just can't stop, you know what I mean, I just don't know, like, like I just can't stop doing this, I don't know what's going on, and, and uh, I just, I just remember that moment, and, um, yeah, it was, it was a uh, real humbling, real humbling experience, but I got back to it, man. Very, very glad I did. I started meeting new friends, moved back up to Salt. So that, so the treatment I went to was actually in St. George where my family lived. And so oh, cool. Uh, cool. my family was able to come visit me and, mm, and, that's awesome. and stuff like that. And then um, when I got done, I didn't have to stay the whole time. Normally it's like a 60 day program. I think they're okay. like, you can stay for, you know, 45 days or 30 days or something like that. And they're like, you know, you can stay down here in St. George or you can move up to Salt Lake. You know, what do you what do you want to do? And uh, um, I decided to go back up to Salt, Salt Lake. Sorry, there's just like this big lightning that just happened. <laughs> no, is it snowing up there right now? Yeah, it's well, right now it's like it was snowing the other day, but I think now it's like going to or it's raining right now. So I want to rewind just a little bit because you mentioned uh, withdrawals. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of listeners don't understand what withdrawals are like. Yeah, especially if they haven't used drugs before and had to like get off of them. Yeah. Um, can you do you want to talk a little bit about withdrawals, what that feels like, and maybe your experience, like how long it took you to get past those withdrawals? Yeah, I mean, I think it obviously depends on uh, how heavy you are into it, how long you're using, and and things like that. Um, yeah, sure. 
but I mean, it's, it's very similar to, it's like the way I describe it is it's like having the flu, but you can't sleep, you know, yeah. it's like having like the worst flu, you know, fever, headache, runny nose, hearts beating, chills, shakes, you know, lake or shaky leg syndrome. And it's just like, you can't, and, and you can't sleep it off. Like normally, like I just had COVID earlier. Um, oh, really? Okay. Weeks ago, three weeks ago, my quarantine ended like three weeks ago. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was able to sleep. It was like, I, it sucked and it was really bad. But it was like, I, I slept at least you could sleep four hours straight. So withdrawals is like, yeah, you can't, you're up. You can't have the re- restless leg syndrome and oh, yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. The sweating and being hot sweating. and cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I, I mean, like I mentioned before, I've gone through my own addictions in my past and I know I've told you like privately about using opiates myself. Yeah. And for me, man, I, I, I don't mean to like cut you off on your story because we'll, we'll get back into that. But I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I feel like you mentioned a, a good thing about withdrawals because I think that's something that holds people back from getting the help that they need because mm-hmm. they get sick and then nobody likes to be sick. And when you're like withdrawing, you just feel like shit. And all you want to do is use that drug again to feel better or just to feel normal. Right. So like for me, man, I was using Oxycontin back in 2010 and the typical, like the old school OCs where you'd crush them up, you could snort them, you could smoke them, you could inject them even. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This was like right before the company started to like change the, the how they made the pills. Crack down on it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so I was doing that man for like, at least a year, like daily. And it started off like once, a, once a week. And then it went to like a couple times a week. And then it was just daily. Every single day I was, I would buy like an 80 milligram pill for like 80 bucks, sometimes a hundred bucks. Cause it was like a dollar a milligram. Right. Typically. Yeah. And I was, uh, I would say like, I was a very functional addict. Like I, I still, I had a full-time job. I showed up to work on time. Like I was a good worker, but like it made me feel like I was being a better person. Like I was yeah. working harder. I feel like I was more social with my friends. I was mm-hmm. happier and nicer. Right. And so, I, I mean, I never got into like heroin or other different drugs like that, that may have changed that for me, obviously, but I tried to stop a couple of times. And I remember the first time that I tried to stop, I didn't even know what like withdrawals were, bro. Like I didn't even know, like I was just really ignorant to the whole yeah. like thing. So like I stopped for a couple of days, not by choice, but just because my dealer didn't have anything. So I was like, fuck man, I have to go out. Like I have to wait a couple of days to get my next few pills, you know? And I got sick. I didn't realize how like severe the withdrawals were until I went through it. At that point, I was using probably for at least six months daily. Mm-hmm. So the withdrawals were pretty bad, man. Like I was, like you yeah. said, it's basically like being sick times like 20, you know, yeah. like you can't get out of bed. You yeah. don't want to talk to anyone. You're sweating, you're hot, cold, you're shitting, yeah. you're, it's, it was a mess, man. So like, but what I wanted to mention about that specifically was that at that point I wanted to stop, but because the withdrawals were so bad, and I knew like I was Googling stuff, like how to overcome, how to, how to combat withdrawals, you know? And it was just like, you got to wait a week or two and go from there pretty much. And so I, I was into like day three or four of my withdrawals. And then my 
one of my drug dealers was like, Hey man, I, I got it. Come through. You know what I mean? I was like, I just fell into that temptation again and was just doing it again, back at it. So I feel like, um, I, I just wanted to mention that because I think some people who don't know about drug use and drug yeah. addiction, they're not really aware of like, cause since, you know, I'm sure you've heard people say like, just quit, like, just quit, just stop. But it's not really that simple because there's right. different levels, like psychologically, emotionally, yeah. physically, and the withdrawals, I feel like is one thing that impedes that process. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one thing, you know, and that was another thing, you know, is it was like, I felt like I just had a drug problem. Yeah. I didn't understand the, I didn't understand like the mind of an addict. And I didn't understand that, like what I was going through and everything that I was doing was a symptom to a bigger problem, mm -hmm. you know? And it was like the way it was my thinking It had everything to do with that. I thought the way I thought about the world, the way I thought about myself, the way I thought about my, all that stuff that was going on in between my, my brain, um, that was causing me so much like turmoil and so much chaos was, um, able to, I guess, uh, uh you know, kind of created like this, this, this addiction monster, I feel like, you know what I mean? And it was like, sure. but it was like, you know, I, I had a lot of stuff I had to go through, um, a, a lot of, uh, in, internal stuff to kind of, to kind of work out. Um, you know, when I started to begin on this, on this sober path, you know, because, you know, I, like I said, it was just like, you know, that's a, that's a symptom. It's like, it's like when you have, you know, if you have like strep throat or something like that. And it's like, it's like, if you're, if you're taking, you know, throat, throat lozenges to help the sore throat, you know, but, but you have strep throat, it's not, that's not just going to make it go away. You know, like antibiotics you got to get on and there's other things you got to do to be able to make exactly. that thing go away. And that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of what I, that's the, that's the thing I always, you know, I was missing every time in, in all my previous attempts of trying to get sober on my own. I was just trying to not use drugs. I wasn't trying to work mm. on myself. You know what I mean? Right. I wasn't, yeah. You know, thinking about, you know, maybe I need to, you know, get, get into therapy. Maybe I need to start addressing, you know, and, and shifting away from this mindset, man, because it was like a lot of the tools that I had, a lot of the, the ways that I lived my life when I was in full addiction, I did for survival, you know, lying, cheating, healing, you know, making, you know, making it seem like I was, you know, all that stuff none of that stuff works in the real world. You know what I mean? And yeah, so I had, I, had to, I had to unlearn all that stuff and it was hard, man. It, it was, it was difficult, man. It was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now at this point, you know, getting back, getting into treatment again, I've already been sober before. And it's like, you know, here I am, you know, 27 years old and just trying to rebuild my life again. I'd lost everything, you know? So it was like, I had a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of internal stuff that I, that I had to work through, um, to, to, uh, to get to a point, you know, that, that I am today. And, and so, um, you know, I'm, I'm today, you know, life is, life is really good today, man. It's like, it's just like, you know, that's just not an option for me today. You know what I mean? And I'm so far past that, that it's like, I think about the things that I did and I think about, you know, the, the, the stories I have. And it's like, I can't even comprehend myself doing any of that stuff today. You know that's, what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's amazing, man. That's honestly yeah. really cool. Like what, yeah. what, what do you think? So, so when you went back to rehab that second time, yeah. um, was that the last time you, you went 
back to rehab? Like yeah. and you were clean pretty much from then? Yeah. So that was, uh, okay. that was 10, 14, 14. That's my sobriety day that I have, you know, today. Nice, so, nice man. Um, yeah, man, it was, uh, um, it was humbling. I mean, I went in there and people thought that I was like switching jobs to a different location. I'm like, <laughs> I'm the patient now. And yeah, so sure. it's just, you know, I'm hanging out. It's, it's, you know, I'd already been through all this. And so I'm hanging out with kids who are like brand new to sobriety and like, you know, it's just like, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just a different thing when you've like already been through it and you already know what to expect. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a certain way to, to live. And it's like today, man, I have a, I have a peaceful life. I used to love to do things that just created like more chaos in my life, sober or not. It was just, like I love to just create more problems for whatever reason with whatever I'm doing. And, and, you know, today I think I'm at a point where it's like, you know, I, I just love, I just, I just like not having issues. I love it when my family, you know, staying in contact with my family and having everyone healthy and, and no problems, no one's fighting. We're all just chill. And it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that I, that I like today, you know, and uh, I like the relationships I have with my friends. And, um, you know, like I mentioned, one of my first friends that I, that I had uh, met in St. George, I mean, he was right there when I had relapsed that second time for that year and a half, me and him were right there every day using drugs every day, you know, and then I had gotten sober and he didn't get sober for like another year after that. But, you know, we're, we're both, we're both, you know, sober today. He's got, I think coming up on six years next month and I got seven years and it's like, we have all this history of, you know, doing stuff together, but you know, we both are on the other end of the spectrum and, and we have yeah, a, that's cool. you know, it's like, I have a, yeah, man. such a fun time, man. It's like, I go on road trips today, you know, I can go anywhere today. It's like, I remember thinking when I first got sober, like I, you know, I had to, I had to stop talking to all my friends that I, you know, used to be with. And it's like, I couldn't talk to any of them anymore. And, you know, I can't, I can never go to a bar again, or I can never go anywhere that there's alcohol being served or drugs being served or anything mm -hmm. like that. That's just not the case today. You know what I mean? It's like, that's interesting that you say that because <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of addicts or, or previous addicts, or I guess, I don't know what your take on like once an addict, always an addict is, but, yeah. but I've heard from many people that have had addictions say like, Oh, I can never go into a bar again, or I can't even smell alcohol oh. or be, I can't even see a prescription bottle. Cause it's yeah. going to trigger me, you know? Yeah. I what think that's, the, sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you off. No, 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 you're fine. Say, I, I think that's the difference between doing that internal work that I was talking about, you know, earlier and, and just quitting and just stop using, you know what I mean? Gotcha. So, so did you have like a lot of talk therapy and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, you know, I haven't, I haven't been as much lately, but, but okay. definitely when I, when I first got sober, it was like going to a lot of 12 step groups and, and, okay. and, and getting involved in, in that sort of work and, and, um, you know, going, going to, to a lot of meetings and, and, um, you know, doing a lot of journaling, a lot of meditation, a lot of, um, you know, just, just, a, I, I did go to therapy for a little while as well. Uh, just, just getting to a point where it was like, you know, today it's like, you know, if I'm going to use, if I'm going to, you know, I like the, there's not going to be a situation where I'm just sitting there and someone's going to show me a bottle of beer, show me something. And then yeah. I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, I haven't been thinking about that at all, but I want that right now. Gotcha. You, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Usually what happen is I'll be sitting by myself and be like, you know what, this is what I'm going to go do. And that, and, and, and so that being said, 
um, you know, I, I can, you know, I go to places today. It's like, like I said, I planned my friend's bachelor party and we went to bars yeah. and they were all drinking. I, w- I was going to say, like, I remember when you came down for Joe's funeral, yeah. like, people, people were drinking and smoking weed. And like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think, I think I remember even asking you like, Hey man, does this like, is this hard for you? And you're like, not at all, man, this is fine. Like, yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. It and that's good. honestly, that's like really beautiful because yeah, like I said before, some people, they don't want to go around it again because yeah. they, it might tempt them. It might go down that path for somebody, yeah. but for you to still be able to be around it with yeah. people who are drinking or whatever yeah. it might be and still be confident in yourself. Yeah. That's, that says a lot about you, man. Yeah. And it's not like, I mean, I don't, it's not like I'll just like go to a bar by myself. Like I don't really sure. am not around it that much, but it's like, if I have a sure. reason, if I have a purpose for being somewhere, like I'm not going to let the fact that just because alcohol is being served or just because people are partying or whatever, be the reason as to like why I can't go because I mean that was something that was really important to me. Joe was a Joe was a really good friend of mine, and so and I was able to see you know a lot of other other really good friends. And, you know, it was like I felt like we needed to be be there for each other. Yeah, you know what I mean? at that point, and so and so um, I wasn't gonna you know let let that stop me. Um, and and that's the same today. I mean, that's what I value is is like those those relationships that I have today. I mean, I have a lot of history with Ben. I have a lot of history with you know, my, a lot of, a lot of my friends today. And so, um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think it's, um, fair to just, you know, completely cut off that, that relationship because I'm living this sort of, this sort of life. And I don't think like it's fair for me to try and convince them that they need to change the way that they're living just because of what I did when they didn't have the same experience that I had, you know what I mean? Like, Definitely. like I, I'm not going to go up to my friends and be like, you guys need to change your life and get sober because I'm, so, I don't, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't want someone to get sober if they hadn't had gone through what I went through. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, yeah. I mean, but uh, interesting, man. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's a really good outlook that, that you have. Yeah. I think that's really rare. I don't know. Maybe you see this since you've worked with other addicts and stuff like that, but that's rare to see, you know? Yeah. I congratulate you, dude. That's, Thanks, that's, that's amazing, man. Yeah. So it's, so it's been seven years since you said it was 10, 14, 14. Yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's, so you just, you just got your seven years two mm-hmm. months ago. Cause today's yeah. the 14th. Oh, dude, so that's cool. 14th? Yeah. Two months yeah. ago. Dude, that's cool, man. Thanks man. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I can't even look at it like that. It's like the reality yeah. is, you know, I just gotta, I mean, not to sound cliche or anything, but it's like, it's literally just a day at a time because anything could happen. I could wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? This whole sober lifestyle is completely bullshit. Like I don't need this anymore. And so it's like, I gotta, I gotta stay in gratitude and stay grateful and, and just kind of, and just kind of take it one, one day, one day at a time, you know, one, one moment at a time and, and not look at like how long, and it's the same with anything. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like, I, I look at it the same way I did when I first got sober. When I first got sober, I'd be like seven years. Holy shit. That's such a long time. There's no way I'll get there. You know, and I, I imagine it's the same way. Like if someone's, you know, trying to live like a healthier lifestyle, lose some weight or get into the gym more or something like that. It's like, dude, you just got to start taking, just start taking small steps every single day. And those small steps every single day over a long period of time will, will create, you know, big, big changes. So that's amazing. What would you say was or is one of or or some of the strongest tools that you've used or that you use to stay clean? Like I know you mentioned meditation and journaling. Yeah, I mean honestly the strongest still- the strongest tool that I have today is um, my network. Is my network of friends that I have 
Um, especially when I first got sober, I made sure to surround myself around a lot of other people that were doing exactly what I'm doing. Like, I would not recommend like what I do today, you know, like talking about going to bars and, and, you know, concerts and places where they're alcohol. I don't know if that's necessarily a good idea when you're first starting out, you know what I mean? A lot of the times people haven't done, you know, that, that, that extensive internal work yet. Um, And it was really hard for me just to go and do it. I didn't even really even know if I wanted to do it, but I'm grateful. I had a lot of friends um, that I had, that I had made that were kind of on that same path that I was, that were kind of doing the same thing because I just liked hanging out with my friends. And it was like, you know, if they're going to a meeting and, and, you know, they're talking about meditating or they're talking about praying or they're talking about, you know, journaling and, and I'm kind of on the fence of it. It's like, I'm going to do it just because my friends are doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I, I think that's one of the, that's one of the um, important than it, one of the biggest tools in my toolbox, I should say today is, is kind of that, that network that I have. I mean, I have friends today that, you know, I can call and, and talk to about, about anything, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. I know then if I'm going through something, it's like, I know they'll be there within, you know, the snap of a finger if I, if I needed someone. So yeah, that's, that's amazing, man. Good for you, bro. Good for you. Honestly, Thanks. that's, that's a beautiful story. Thanks. And, um, especially having go, having gone through like so much hardship, dude, I mean, being raided by the police twice, Yeah. having, friends pass away yeah your sister passed away and and whatever else might have happened in your life like that's it's hard to maintain that sobriety when you're still going through life that can be shitty at times yeah you know so that's hat tip to you man i i applaud you that's that's really cool man good for you i wanted to ask you a question about well because i know you mentioned beginning about um like mushrooms and like basically psychedelics yeah do you, was were psychedelics a problem for you or was um, it just anything like was was were all drugs and substances kind of i just- mean i definitely did not do out uh, uh <laughs> psychedelics you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah i like i mean yeah i did psychedelics was i doing psychedelics every single day mm, no but i definitely dabbled dabbled with them but uh you know, I, I, it's a mind altering substance in my opinion. And so sure. for me, it's just kind of, there's no, that's not Slippery a great slope. area. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. just yeah. like, and I don't think that like, I'm going to like do some mushrooms and then immediately be like, I got to do them again. I got to do them sure. again. But, uh, you know, it's like, there's a slight risk that it could lead me back to where I was before. And that's like, it's just not, it's just not, you know, uh, worth better safe yeah. than sorry. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you've been following this kind of stuff with like the whole psychedelic movement that's going on right now. Microdosing like and all that Microdosing, yeah, yeah. And all these all these studies that are being done with yeah. with how psychedelics can actually help with yeah. addictions and like yeah. cravings and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, so I was just, I was curious to ask you about that to see if you have any different. I've never, yeah, I, I know a couple of friends who have maybe, who've maybe done that and they, I haven't really talked to them since they made that decision that they're going to go, you know, down okay. out. But uh, um, I mean, they seem to be doing all right on, on on the outside, you know, still maintaining their job and and life and stuff like that. And um, I don't know. I mean, just just for me personally, you know, it's a personal choice. But it's like I'm just I don't have that desire yet. Things aren't bad. Like it's like you know what I mean. It's, it's like it's like maybe if I suffered from you know something 
that I felt like I needed to try it and I would, but it's like, I know today, you know, most of the problems I have in my life are created in here. You know what I mean? A lot of the problems I have are problems that aren't actual problems, you know what I mean? And it's like, I like to make them up in my head that they are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that, that kind of stuff. But again, I mean, if someone, if someone, does if someone's you know doing heroin every day and they start microdosing mushrooms and and it you know is able to stop them from doing that you know more more power to them but for sure yeah no, but for that sure. just wasn't my story so yeah no everyone's story is different man yeah for sure let me ask you this now so i know that you having seven years of sobriety um where are you at spiritually like i know you grew up we both grew up mormon obviously yeah what's your views on Mormonism and what's your view on views on religion and where are you at spiritually? Yeah. Um, I would, I mean, I'd consider myself a, a spiritual person in the sense, you know, I definitely have, uh, some sort of, some sort of belief. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and like I said, in the beginning is it's like how ironic it is. I live in Salt Lake city and I'm not Mormon. It's like, I'm not, but at the same time, you know, I'm not, I think there was a period where I was like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I was, I was raised Mormon. And then as soon as I stopped being Mormon, I was like anti-Mormon or I was like, this is like the worst thing <laughs> yeah. ever. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, you know, it's working. It works for my mom. It works for other people in my family. And I respect that. And it works for my coworker, you know, a couple coworkers. And, and it's like, I, I, you know, like I, like I said, I mean, every, everyone's different. And so it's like, I'm at this point of acceptance, I think with all that, where it's like, yeah you know, I, I think that, um, whatever, whatever works for someone is, is, is okay. You know, Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I remember Joe actually told me one time, I think this was probably like six years ago, maybe Mm -hmm. we were were talking about religion and, and Mormonism and stuff. And he, I'm kind of paraphrasing him, but he said something like that. He believes that everyone has their own roadmap and everyone's is different. Just like what you mentioned, everyone's story is different. What works for your mom might work for her. And that's great, but it might not work for you, you know? Right. So we all have our own individual roadmaps or yeah. maps in life to get back to God or to whatever that might be for someone, spirituality or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's cool. So, so do you consider yourself, like, do you believe in like God or do you believe in like, I know some people use the words like source or energy or do you like call it something for yourself? Like, do you I mean, like I'll a, be like honest. I don't know if I, yeah. Sorry. I don't need to. No, no, you're good. I was just saying, I'll be honest. I don't know if I have like the same consistent belief. It kind of changes on a, oh, for on sure. a regular basis. It's like some days I'll say that I, I believe in God other days, you know, it's like, I say that I need to have, you know, some sort of energy source other days. It's like, I, believe yeah. in God is the great outdoors and I just got to go for a hike outside or something like that. You know what I yeah, mean? Man. So yeah, man. I think, I think it kind of, for me, it's not just one consistent. It's just something that kind of changes on depending on, on the day, but um, overall, yeah, I'd say, I mean, yeah, I'd say it's like that. One thing I, I guess I do believe is I don't, I believe there's something else out there. I don't believe I'm the greatest power in the entire universe, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. so, um, but, but, but that's just me, you know, Right on, bro. So has there been any foundational thoughts or belief that you have had throughout your life that has evolved? If so, what 
and in what way? I think uh, I think one 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 fundamental thought that I have developed um, in my life and and just over my uh, just in my experience as well is that. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's kind of like a cliche saying, but it's one that I, that I hope that I think about a lot. And that is, I can't think, I can't think my way into right living, but I can live my way into right thinking. Mm, and and, I, like and that. I mean, yeah, what I mean by that is, you know, I've, I always wanted to change. I always wanted something to happen. And I was really good at like coming up with all these master plans on how I was going to accomplish this and how I was going to do it. And I'd write step-by-step instructions down, you know, and stuff like that. But but, you know, at the end of the day, and then never get anything done and never do it. And it was like, I think, um, I think for me, um, what, what had to happen is, you know, I had to, to be able to, because like I said before, is it was like, I had to unlearn everything. You know, I had to unlearn the way that I was living in life. I had to learn how to play by the rules. I spent my whole entire life not playing by the rules and taking shortcuts. You know what I mean? And it was mm-hmm. like, and it was like, you know, I, I basically had to enter. I almost entered. I feel like I entered like this whole new world. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it was like a whole new world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Where it was just like I had to learn how to how to you know follow rules. And I was the type that like if I was waiting in line at a store, I'd make sure to cut in front of someone because mm. I felt like my time is more important. Or where I was the type that you know I felt like I always had to speed on the freeway and I always had to. You know, I always I just I just felt like I always had to take shortcuts, and and uh, me it was it was action, it was daily action on a on a, a consistent basis, over and over and over and over again, and eventually after doing that consistent action um, for a while, eventually you know my my mind starts to shift a little bit to where you know I'm able to to maybe have that have that sort of change that that I have today. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Good for you, brother. Um, there could be one message that you could share to the whole world. What would it be? Um, I mean, I can speak to, uh, I can speak to, you know, maybe if someone, someone's out there and they're, and they were, they're struggling with, uh, you know, with addiction, you know, or they're struggling, they got some secrets going on or they're, they're, they're living this life that I was a double lifer. You know, I was living two different lives. I was really good at like putting on this persona you know, in front of some people and then really live in this other type of life. And so I would say if, if there's someone out there like that, that's, that's maybe struggling with, with, with that sort of thing and, and maybe has some, uh, some addictions that, you know, it's, it's okay to reach out, you know, it's okay to, it's okay. I mean, that's the, that was the, that's the first step that, that I, that I had to take in my life was, was reach out and ask and ask for help, you know, and, and get to that point of surrender and, and just surrender my ego and, 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 and it's okay to ask for help. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. I think, I think that's really difficult for a lot of people to ask for help, you know, and especially when they're going through some shitty moments in life. Yeah. They're, they, and they have a lot of guilt and shame. And I know you mentioned those words earlier on. Yeah. Uh, you feel shame and you feel guilt and you're just kind of stuck in a rut, dude. And it's hard to ask for help. You know, it can yeah. be embarrassing. It can be embarrassing, and yeah, it it, it totally. Sh- it's really not though. It's not exactly. It, it, but it's really your head not. makes it out to be exactly. It's like your head will come up with, you know, oh, I can't, I can't do this. The way people are going to think about me, and the way that yep. it's, gonna ha- it's like, and then you go ahead and you do it, and it's really, and it's not, not even it's really yeah, not it's, even bad. 
exactly yeah the head dude your mind is like can be your worst enemy yeah yeah your your ego can be your worst enemy and it's 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 weird because you can think one thing and go okay i'm gonna go to this place i'm i'm gonna go do this thing and it's gonna suck it's gonna be the worst thing ever i'm gonna be embarrassed and then you go there and it's totally awesome yeah you're just like why was i stressing out about this thing this for six hours when it wasn't even a big deal yeah. at all. Like it was actually amazing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's like when I, when I first started going to the gym, you know what I mean? I'd never even okay. went to the gym or anything like that. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm so worried about like what other people are going to think of me. And then I get there and it's like, you know, people are so worried about themselves. They don't, yeah, even, everyone, you know yeah, I mean? they're like, not even thinking, they're not, they're not even looking at other people because they're looking at themselves. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. For sure, dude. That's, I like that. Well, I think that's, that's pretty much what I wanted to cover with you. Is there anything cool. else you want to, to talk about or discuss? No, I feel like, uh, man, I feel like we went, went through a lot there. So yeah, man, I feel like this will be a good, um, episode for people to hear, man, especially cool. for those who are struggling with addictions, um, of any kinds too, because yeah. all addictions kind of have the same concept of, of being addicted to something, whether it's like gambling or shopping it could be anything bro you know i mean we 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 give our power away to something right and like like i said i mean it's the symptom right and so we all kind of are dealing with that with that same uh same cause and condition going on on the the inside that but the symptom could be different you know what i mean and it's like different type of addiction or or whatever but absolutely man well hey man thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah we appreciate your time yeah and um i had a blast man it was fun cool man good yeah let me know if you uh if you need anything or need to answer something or whatever so will do brother all right all right man take care all right all right you too all right man we'll see you later all right see you